Hey, if you've got your Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it and turn to John chapter 14. Uh, if you uh, use something like the Version app on a mobile device or on your iPad, uh, you can go there with us. We also have Bibles around the room on the floor uh, if you'd like to follow along on your own. Again, it's John chapter 14. Those Bibles on the floor, it's page 752. Uh, if you're not sure how to get there, and uh, we'll also have the words on the screen too, but always think it's great to have those words in your own lap, and so I uh, want to encourage you in that. I think I told you uh, a few weeks back that Jenny and I celebrated 20 years of marriage uh, back in August, and we decided, well, thank you, you have to applaud again, but uh, it was two months ago, but thank you anyways. Uh, but we, we decided that to celebrate 20 years, we would train for and run a marathon together this fall. All right, brilliant, right? I mean, who, who does and do that to celebrate uh, 20 years. But uh, Jenny ran a marathon 18 years ago. This is going to be a first one for me. We've been working hard together. We're 15 weeks into our training. And here's what I have to say about marathon training. Marathons are dumb, all right? I mean, they're just straight up dumb, all right? I mean, this is harder than anything I've ever done. It finally hit me a few weeks ago. Like, we were out for this long run. We were out for it. We had a 15-mile run scheduled, and we were 10 miles in. I crossed the 10-mile line. I'm sweating like a pig. I stopped. I turned to her, and I said, I'm out. I'm out. I, I can't do this. Like, this is foolish. Like, marriage is easier than running a marathon, all right? Like, this, this is too hard. And thankfully, Jenny was really patient with me, like so many other occasions in life. And so she just, you know, we just decided on the day, okay, let's scale back. We'll run the half marathon together. Well, that was a Friday, but then I came here on a Sunday and I talked to a couple of you that are training and about the success that you're having and you're training for a marathon. And so I went home that day and I said, it's back on. All right. We are back in this. All right. The Moomaws don't quit. All right. We are, we are working hard at this. And so that's what we're doing. I'm happy to report we've had some successful long runs since then, but my opinion still hasn't changed. Marathons are dumb, all right? I, this is just hard work. It's one and done for me, but uh, I'll tell you, I could never do it uh, without Jenny, all right? Like having her support, having alongside, I mean, she's a much, especially mentally stronger runner than I am. If you're a runner, like you know something about that. You know that there is something to running with someone else, all right? There's, there's something that comes to working together with someone else. We, we, I, I coach a cross-country team uh, for kids, and we, we tell our kids all the time, we tell our athletes all the time, you know, you're, if you're in a race, you're better to run with someone, all right? Move ahead and get into a pack, all right? Because you're stronger with someone else, all right? You're gonna work harder. You're gonna, you're gonna uh, appreciate the performance that you have in working alongside of someone else. See, there are, there are so many parallels uh, to running and living life, okay? There are so many parallels to competing and living life. And so it's no wonder that even the New Testament, I don't know if you realize this or not, but even the New Testament references running and competing and, and its similarities uh, to living for Jesus. Jesus in this world. Um, you don't have to call yourself a runner to know that there are days when life feels a lot like training. And uh, some of those days, uh, life comes really easy for you. But then there are those days, and I think we've all experienced these before, where it just takes everything you have. Uh, to get out of bed. It takes everything you have to go to the office. It takes everything you have to get the kids out the door, you know, one more time. It takes everything that you have to walk into that school or to, to step into that classroom one more time. And so you push and you push. I mean, it, it's everything you've got to keep going. And I, I wonder, like, I wonder if that's maybe where some of you might be today. Uh, or if maybe, maybe that's where some of you would say, you know, that's where I find myself right now. Like, um, I'm digging deep, 
Um, I'm running on empty. I don't have much to give. I mean, maybe for some of you, you're just struggling with, you know, where you fit in right now. Uh, trying to kind of find your place in this world. Maybe, maybe you've got some pain in your life, some difficult circumstances that you've gone through recently. And again, it's just it's tough to keep going. Maybe, maybe you've got a relationship that's, that's not going so well, uh, uh, a relationship that's ended. Maybe no relationship in sight. Uh, again, maybe you're struggling with school. Maybe you're struggling with work or thoughts uh, about the future. Like it could be any number of things. All right, but, but all you know is that you would say, and I think we've all been here at one time or another, you know what, I need help. Like, I, I need someone to help me. I can't do this alone. Can I, can I tell you the great thing about our God? The great thing about our God is this, that he loves you, and he loves you deeply, all right? And, and these songs that we've been singing, these songs that we were singing, like, they're true. Like, these words are very true, and, and if you're brand new to all of this, I, I just want to challenge you to hang around long enough, all right, to, to investigate some of these things for yourself, because we have a God that loves us, and, and He never intended for you and me to do life on our own. We weren't made for that. Like, we can't thrive, you know, let alone survive on our own. He created us as dependent creatures. Like, we are in need of something. We are in need of someone to help us live a faithful and satisfying life life in this world. And if I could for just a moment, just to catch some of you up in case you're new with us today, we've been in this series the last few weeks where we've been looking at uh, the final words from Jesus, all right, before he went to the cross, specifically out of John chapter 15, where Jesus described himself to his disciples. He said, you know what, I'm like a vine, all right, and you are like the branches. And just as a branch must stay connected to the vine in order to bear fruit, we must stay relationally connected to Jesus. Like he had these words in mind for you and me too, that we we remain in him. We, we stay connected to him. We stay relationally connected to Jesus. And what we can do is this. We can be encouraged that what Jesus has said then is true today as well, that if we abide in him and he in us, then he would bear much fruit in our lives and that we will bring him glory in this world. See, the word abide or abiding means to stay connected. Uh, it means to remain. It means to dwell with something or someone. And so our challenge this series has just basically been this, to make abiding in Jesus your number one pursuit and prayer in this world, all right? To make that your prayer, to make that your desire, your goal, to abide in Jesus, to live life with Jesus, to do nothing apart from Him. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how to abide. We talked about the importance of knowing Christ's love, knowing those truths, uh, we talked about uh, forgiving as we've been forgiven a couple of weeks ago. Last week, Kevin pointed out how abiding in Jesus means reading and thinking about and applying God's word to our lives. Today, I want to wrap up this series by talking with you about the critical role that the Holy Spirit plays for each of us. Uh, and plays in our lives. And if I could just give you a quick uh, basic theology lesson first, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that we believe, we believe good theology teaches this, that there is one and only one God, eternally existing, all right, and fully expressed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they are equal, uh, they are eternal, and they are fully gods. And not three separate gods, but three persons of the one Godhead. And so we would say this, that the Holy Spirit is fully God, nothing less than fully God for us. And it's in John 14 
than that Jesus makes a wonderful promise to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And just to give you some context here, Jesus and his disciples were likely in the upper room having finished what we know as the Last Supper. And, and this is the last meal before Jesus goes to the cross. And Jesus begins explaining to them how he is going to be leaving soon and that even though he's leaving, he will send the Holy Spirit to help. And that's where we want to pick it up in John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now put yourself in the disciples' shoes here and they're terrified. They're terrified because they know something's going on, all right? There's a lot of tension, all right? There are a lot of people that are after Jesus and it doesn't help that he keeps talking about the fact that he's gonna be going away soon. And so Jesus tries to reassure them saying, hey, I'm going away, but don't worry, I will send the Holy Spirit. Now, look back in those words in your Bible for just a moment there. Notice that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the advocate, all right? The word advocate is the word for Holy Spirit here. It's a word, uh, it comes from the Greek word parakletos. It means comforter. Uh, it means helper. It means literally the one who comes alongside of you. And so keep this in mind, all right? And keep in mind, if you've been with us, that we're in John 14 today. It's not until John 15 that he's going to start describing the vine and the branches. And so uh, he, he's going to explain that there. And so in essence, what Jesus is saying, even beginning here in John 14, and if you put the two together, is that the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to help you. All right? It's the Holy Spirit that will help you and me do this work. He's going to help us know what to do. And so if you're taking notes today, that, that's lesson number one for us. And it's just basically this, it's powerful, it's true, and that is that the Holy Spirit helps us abide in Christ. All right, and if you've been wondering how we do that, or if you've been wondering how, how in the world am I going to do that, we keep talking about abiding, Jesus talks about abiding, guess what, there's good news. Jesus says it's the Holy Spirit that helps you abide in Christ. See, as Christians, we don't have to abide in Christ in our own strength. Again, we have the Holy Spirit in us. See, the moment you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, the moment you trusted him as your savior and as your Lord, God sent the Holy Spirit inside of you, all right, to be in you, to be a helper. That's why Jesus called him a helper. And, and what the Holy Spirit does is he helps us know Jesus. He helps us know God in greater ways, in more intimate ways. He's the one that helps us by strengthening us to live boldly and courageously in this world, you know? And, and when, we, when we feel like we don't have what it takes, when it feels like we've hit rock bottom or we're not sure how to keep going, it's the Holy Spirit in us that says, keep going. Don't stop now. Keep trusting. You can do this. Keep abiding in Jesus. Friends, I have to tell you, it's so important that we get this, all right? It's so important that we realize this, this gift for those of us that have trusted Jesus because here's what I find. Here's what I find most of the time. Most Christians fall into one of two categories, really extreme categories when it comes to this idea of relating to the Holy Spirit. Like there are some that are so obsessed with this idea of the Holy Spirit, it really becomes a false idea of a Holy Spirit that only speaks in mysterious voices and in sensational uh, experiences and circumstances, all right? And so you've got one extreme, and then there's this other uh, extreme where uh, those Christians who are very ignorant by the Holy Spirit, like, so when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, we might know something 
something of the Holy Spirit. We might know a little about what the Holy Spirit can do, and maybe he floats around somewhere in a service, or he shows up in your seat, or he, he, he floats around in your heart or something, and so we might know something of him, and again, the potential of him, but the fact is that we relate to him about as much as I relate to my pituitary gland, right? Like, like I know I have one, all right, and I know it's really important, and I know that it's doing something, but again, I have little to no connection, you know, with my pituitary gland, at least as much as I think, and same, the same can be true, unfortunately, in the way that we view the Holy Spirit. Here's what author Francis Chan and Pastor Francis Chan says about this. He says, the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital to our situation today. Of course, he is always vital, but perhaps especially now. After all, if the Holy Spirit moves, nothing can stop him. If he doesn't move, we will not produce genuine fruit no matter how much effort or money we expend. He says, the church becomes irrelevant when it becomes purely a human creation. We are not all we were made to be when everything in our lives and churches can be explained apart from the work and presence of the Spirit of God. And so whether we make too much of the Spirit or too little, again, both extremes are unfortunate because think about it. Something was so important. Something was so important about the Holy Spirit that Jesus told his disciples that it was better that he leave. And here's why. Again, Jesus said these words a couple of chapters over in John 16, verse 7. He says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I got to thinking about this this week. Like, really? Like, what could be better? Like, you're telling me Jesus by me, Jesus next to me, Jesus with me in the flesh for three years. Like, like if I'm one of the disciples, like, there's something better than that? But then Jesus says, no, having the Spirit in you is better than having me beside you. Let that sink in for a second. Jesus said, it is better for you that the Holy Spirit will be in you than having me beside you. It's an advantage, as some of our Bibles may say. And what makes this even more special is not so much that God has given us a helper, as important as that is, but also the reality that God wants to be as close to you and to me as possible. I mean, think about it. He's demonstrated this over and over again all throughout history. We can see this in his word. Like the book of Genesis describes a God who literally walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, the opening of Exodus talks about a God who led the Israelites through the wilderness with a cloud by day and fire by night. It was, you know, eventually God through Moses instructed the people to construct a tabernacle and then eventually a temple so that he could be in their midst, so that he could be right there in their community. And when the Messiah was born, it was the angel that said, you're to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then to think that it wasn't enough for God to put on skin and come and become like one of us in Jesus but after Jesus ascended into heaven, God followed through on his promise with the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that now resides in the hearts of everyone who believes in Christ. Which means, if you're in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, think about this. No one in the history of this earth has ever been closer to God than you are right now. He is in you, the creator of all things by the power of the Holy Spirit, is in you. He is in your life. And you have the potential to walk with him each and every day. And he is there, and he helps us to abide in Jesus. And let me just say this. If you're having a difficult time getting your mind around that, 
don't worry, me too. Like, like this, this, is, this is big time. Like to even imagine what this is like, like I'm still struggling trying to understand what this means for me. But then I got to thinking this past week, you know what, maybe we make it way too difficult. Maybe it's really not that hard. And maybe just being reminded today that we have a helper in our lives, well, maybe for you, maybe for some of you today, that could mark the beginning of just a whole new way of seeing God, a whole new season with Him, a new way of doing life, maybe even a new way of doing your week starting today, starting this afternoon, starting tomorrow, because He is with us. If you're in Christ Jesus, He is in you, and He is the one that can help you and me abide in Jesus. And how does He help? Just quickly, a couple of references here. John 14, if you skip over a few verses to verse 25, Jesus continues in this conversation. He says, you know, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And so Jesus says to him, he said, hey, here's one of the roles the Holy Spirit's going to play. He's going to teach you. All right, he will remind you of my words. And then something else, if you skip over a couple of chapters again, sorry for dancing back and forth, but John 16, 12 to 13, again, same conversation. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And so again, if you're taking notes, how does the Holy Spirit help us abide in Jesus? Notice that the Holy Spirit helps us by teaching us and by guiding us. Jesus points out two ways. He, he teaches us, and he guides us. See, God wants to help us in every moment, in every circumstance of our lives. And he's given us the Holy Spirit as a teacher. He's given us this Holy Spirit as a guide. And what's the primary way that he does this? It's through his word. Like it's through the Bible. Like look at those words again one more time. John 14, 26. Notice that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. And what does he do? He will remind you of everything that I have said to you. All right? He's going to remind you of everything that Jesus has been teaching, the words that we have for ourselves in our very own Bibles. Uh, over in verse, uh, John 16, 13, he will guide you into all the truth. And so how does he teach us and how does he guide us? It's through God's spoken word. It's through our Bibles. It's through Scripture. God's spoken word, it's one of the powerful ways that the Holy Spirit loves to speak into our lives. See, he doesn't make this up as he goes. Like, this isn't about figuring out each unique situation that, you know, our, our, our present culture, you know, presents to us on any given day. You know, he, he speaks to us. He guides us through God's already spoken and inspired word. It, it's through the Bible that God is speaking. It's through the Bible that God wants to speak to you and me. He's never silent. And sure, sometimes he breaks into our lives in very powerful and unique ways and, and in particular times. But I can promise you that the work and the guidance of the Holy Spirit will never contradict or violate the word God has already given to us, which is just a great reminder that if we are going to learn, if you and I are going to learn and, and be led uh, by the Spirit, in, like, like we're, we're not going to do that apart from the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Like if we're seeking for wisdom, if we're seeking direction, it's not gonna be accomplished apart from you and me spending time in the Word of God. I mean, the, the, the truth is this, if, if you and I are not in God's Word regularly, we are not going to be effectively led by God. Like, it's that simple, it's that true. And so that's why I want to encourage you. We, again, we can't say this enough. Figure out a way to spend time alone with God every day. Like, make this your effort. Make this your goal, you know? And the more you do that, the more I promise you will want to be with God. 
The more you do this work, the more that you practice this, because it's in those moments of reading, it's in those moments of listening and studying and praying that here's what happens. The Holy Spirit just is activated in you, all right, to the point that you, you see things like you've never seen them before. And, and God, he, he gets your attention maybe in ways that like he's never had before, and he directs you to the right words in just the right moments of your life to encourage you. And sometimes you can't explain it, and you can't always predict it, but I do promise you this, that I know a God, and I know many of you know a God that can get your attention in powerful ways that will be significant and important to you no matter what it is that you're facing. Kind of reminds me of the story of the prophet Elijah. Uh, And if you know his story, he was discouraged when God wasn't moving in his life and in ways that he had hoped. And so Elijah went running and ended up, you know, in the middle of the wilderness, ashamed and defeated and discouraged. He was desperate to hear from God. And Elijah wanted to hear God speak in some awesome and miraculous way. And so he he was hoping for a thunderous voice. And if if you read the story, there was a great wind, all right, and the rocks were torn apart, but the scriptures point out that God wasn't in the wind. And then there came this great earthquake and Elijah feared for his life, but we read that God wasn't in the earthquake either. And then Elijah stood there and there was fire, but, but God wasn't in the fire, but instead finally a gentle, soft whisper. And it was only when Elijah was alone and as far from anyone as he could be that he heard the whisper, the voice of God saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, God wants to speak. He's always speaking. But he doesn't always speak in the ways that we hope for, that we'd like to hear him speak. He spoke to Elijah through a whisper. And sometimes he wants to speak to you and me through whispers too. Whispers that are only going to be heard as we get alone, as we practice being alone with God. Now think about this. I I wonder, I I think we probably all have our own items, but like like I wonder where you might like to hear from God right now. What are those questions that you're wrestling with? What are... What are some of those things that you're facing? Maybe it's questions about your faith right now, and man, you just, you need to hear something. Uh, maybe you've got questions about your future. Maybe questions about your marriage. Uh, maybe there are some of you here today that are hurting over some news you received recently, maybe uh, devastated by a relationship that has recently come to an end, or like you, you desire maybe to know something greater about your life and your future, and maybe where God is leading you, or where all of this is leading you, or or I think maybe even some of you today, you would say, we would say, you know, I want to abide in Jesus, but I just don't know how to do that. I, I'm desperate to hear for him right now. I've been trying and I'm hearing nothing. Again, I promise you, God has something to say. And sometimes he whispers. And in order to hear those whispers, we've got to keep putting ourselves in places and in moments where we can be quiet, alone with his word, because it's in those quiet moments that the spirit really can get activated in us and we can hear from God. Again, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go. Because if I go, I will send a helper, the Holy Spirit. And he won't just be around when we, when we think we need him. He's not going to be just around when, when we think that, you know, he might be available. He will be in you. Jesus says he'll be in you. He'll be ready to work through you. And he's the one that can show you the way to go. And he's the one that can help you hear the voice of God. And he can lead you and he can guide you through his word so that you can better know God and better know how to serve and live for God in this world. And so make time. Again, I just want to challenge you. We talk about this all the time. Make time to be alone with God each day and read your Bible. And you know what? Maybe you'd say, you know what? I don't don't have that time. I don't have that kind of time. You've got the time. We all have the time. We all have the same amount of time. You've just got to make it your priority. You know, maybe you say, you know, I've tried this before, and I tried, and I don't hear anything. Keep going. 
Don't give up yet. Keep making spaces for God in your life, and I promise you that he will get your attention. He'll do that for you and me. Because the truth is this, we weren't made to do life alone. All right, that was true for the disciples. It's true for us today. And if there's just one thing, you know what Jesus says to them, and it's true for us as well, if there's just one thing, one instruction that I could give you about your future would be this. Jesus said to them, he says to you and me today, you keep abiding in Jesus. You keep trusting Jesus. And you stay connected to me through my word. And it's through this word of, of mine that I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to guide you. And because the good news is this, you don't have to do it on your own, all right? You don't have to figure this out as you go. And you know what? You think being with me is good. There's something even better. It's God in you. It's the Holy Spirit. And he can guide you and he can teach you and help you and me learn to abide in him. You know, it's been um, five plus years ago that... Uh, a pastor that I know well uh, walked out of a counselor's office in Indianapolis and got in a car and made a drive back to his home. And um, this pastor, as I think about this, his story, this account, he would say that, um, you know, the, the interesting thing about the situation that he found himself in is that he had nothing to complain about. Like when he thought about his life, his marriage was great, he, he had great kids, you know, great family, great friends, and a great church that he was serving. But, but if, he had to, if he had to point to something, you know, he'd say, again, there was no secrets, there was nothing hidden in his life. He just described himself as empty. I just, he'd say, you know what, I, I don't feel like I have anything to give, and I, I can't point to anything, but, but life is just difficult. And the funny thing about the guy was this, again, he, he was a part of a great church, and there were so many good things happening and so many things to look forward to, and he, he would even say, you know what, I, know, I knew a lot about God, and I had no difficulty telling people about God, but unfortunately, I had a hard time believing it for myself. Like, unfortunately, I, I lacked any vibrant interaction with God whatsoever, and again, he couldn't quite put his finger on it but he just knew something was missing and something had to change. That pastor, that guy was me. And that's how I would have described myself as one who just felt burned out, uh, frustrated from not hearing from God and grateful, so deeply grateful for the grace of God and the Holy Spirit that spoke to me on that car ride back to my home that day. And do you know what he said to me? And not in the very same words, but the point was still the same. His message was basically this, Paul, you're not abiding in Jesus. You're working really hard to be a pastor, and you're working really hard to be a professional Christian, whatever, but you know what? You need to focus on abiding in me. You need to really work on abiding in me, and that means making time to be with me, and I'll just tell you that I'll never forget that day. Uh, I got emotional even describing it in the first service, you know, and, and for me, like, I've, I, I've never, I, I wish I could say this, I wish I could say that I've never missed a day uh, in spending time alone with God since then, but I'm not that good, all right, but, but I know this, it's my goal to get alone with the Lord every day and to just practice abiding in Him. And I know that sometimes when I hit some of those low points in my life again and I notice my spirit or my attitude changing, I know what I have to do. Like I know where I need to go. I know who I need to be with. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus working in me. It's abiding in him. And he's guiding me and he's teaching me. And I know he's doing this for so many of you. And I know we desire this together because he's the one that lifts me up when I'm down. And he's the one that encourages me to keep going. And, and that's what I want for you. I, I, that's what I want for all of us, you know, that we would be able to see, do the same. See, here's the thing. You, you and I, we, we can do some pretty remarkable things in this world apart from Jesus. 
Uh, we, we have so many opportunities around us, so many resources. Uh, you, you've got every opportunity to make a lot of money in this world. Uh, for each of us, you, we, we've got a lot of opportunity to, for some of us to have great health or to be very fit. Or you can be, you know what, extremely intelligent. You can be extremely artistic or talented in just about any field you want. You could do a lot of things that will cause people around you to say, wow, they've really got it all together. But I got to tell you that you can't do anything of any real significance. There's nothing apart from, uh, with, there's nothing you can do of eternal value apart from abiding in Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And you know what? It's the same for us as a church too. We could build a really big church. We've got every opportunity to build a, a really big building, to have all of these great services, the best coffee and bagels in town for free, all right, and a really appealing place for people to spend a couple of hours on Sunday. And we could grow, and we could give every reason for the world to say, you know what, they are very successful. But I just have to tell you that I don't want to be known for that. I don't want to be known as a church with great services, great buildings, or even just great people. I think many of you would agree with me that my greatest desire, our greatest desire is to be a church where people outside of these walls would look at us and meet us and interact with us and be loved by us and know there's just something unique about them. And whether they realized it or not, it would be people who are abiding in Christ, trusting Christ, meditating on His Word, and living by the Holy Spirit. See, it's the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters is you abiding in Jesus. That's the bottom line. That's what's most important in this world is every person walking with Christ. It's the most important thing for your kid right now to pray and to lead and to trust and to guide them to know Christ and to live by Christ. Our world is desperate, whether it realizes it or not, for Christians and for a church that is abiding in Jesus Let's make that our one thing. We said this is our prayer. We want to make abiding in Jesus our number one prayer and pursuit in life. And I want to give you a moment with a prayer that we put up on the screen week one of this series. And maybe this is your prayer. Maybe you'd be willing to make this your prayer today. Maybe you've been praying this. I've been praying this. Father, the one thing I ask of you, the one thing I am seeking is to abide in Jesus. Help me to abide in you, Jesus, because I want to bear much fruit and bring you glory. I want to give you a moment with that. And maybe you're ready to pray, to continue praying that for your life. Today, I want to abide in Jesus. Take a moment with that before we sing this last song. Right now that are praying that prayer, I'm praying that prayer. We want to abide in you. Teach us to abide in you, Lord. And thank you. We say thank you today for the gift of your spirit and presence in us for those that know Christ and the help you provide for every moment and situation of life that we find ourselves in. Lord, lead us to your word. Help us to know your truth and your wisdom for how to live Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and the rest of the days of our life here on this earth. We want to be people who are abiding in Jesus so that we can be a church that's abiding in Jesus. Will you lead us? Father, will you meet us in powerful ways and wherever we find ourselves here this morning, each person, help us to trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.